as a lead pastor, at some point, you're going to be faced with the reality of letting a pastoral staff member go. And when we do that, we don't want to feel like a jerk. We don't want to feel like we're ruining somebody's life. And we certainly don't want to make somebody feel like they are not called into ministry because we're letting them go. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about what you can do when you're faced with this decision. We're going to talk about the five things that you need to do to invite your pastoral staff members to succeed elsewhere. And number five, you're probably not going to like. So let's get started. So the big question is this, how do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Ministry Hackers Podcast. If this is your first time with us joining the podcast today, my name is Dr. Brandon Partycuber, and I'm the founder of Ministry Hackers. Now, we are counting down the days to our very first Ministry Hacker Challenge. And if you've not signed up yet, I want to invite you to sign up for our upcoming challenge. Do you ever have days where you're trying desperately to get your work done, but there's always those constant knocks on your office door that keep you from getting stuff done. And then five o'clock rolls around and you know you know you want to go home and you need to go home to be with your family, but man, there's still so much left that needs to be done today. And so you're faced with this tension of, do I go home or do I work longer? Well, what we're wanting to do in this challenge, in this free five-day challenge, is show you how to increase the productivity of your staff so that you can go home and spend time with your family and get all of your things done throughout the day. You can pastor a growing church and be with your family both. And so in these five days, we're going to start May 3rd. We're going to go live at one o'clock every day for those five days. And we're going to show you exactly how to do that, how to boost uh, the productivity of your pastoral staff members. Uh, and so that you can then have a growing church, and be with your family. We're going to do it for five days. Uh, you can sign up by going to ministryhackers.com slash challenge. It's free for all those who, who join. Um, all you have to do is give us your name, give us your email, and uh, we'll send you everything you need to have in order to be with us in the challenge. It's going to be a great time. I'm super excited about it because we're going to have pastors from all over the country joining us and learning how they can produce uh, increase the productivity of their, of their teams. And so, so I hope you join us again, go to ministryhackers.com slash challenge, uh, be a part of the challenge with us. And I'm so excited to launch on May 3rd. Um, so as those of you who have been with us the last few days, uh, Dr. Jason Baca has been joining me as we get ready for this challenge and as we prepare for it. And so let's go ahead and welcome him back to the, to the podcast today. Hey, Jason, how's it going? how's it going, man? It's going good. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I'm doing I'm doing well. It's warming up outside, so I'm I'm happy. So Well, that makes one of us. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing well. What I mean is there's it's like freezing cold. Is yeah. right now is the it was April 22nd and it's yep. literally snowing. What's up with no. that? It was like 2 weeks ago it was like 70 degrees and now it's snowing yep. like <laughs> Yep. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> so for those who are new maybe today and who, who don't know who Jason is, um, Jason, he authored the book, Mastering Motivation, How to Get People to Buy into Your Vision, 
own their roles and perform at the highest level. And he is a great resource to bring on with the ministry hackers at this point as we get ready for the challenge. So we're super excited to have him. And I think we've had some fun these last few days, right? Yeah, this has been great. It's been an honor to be here. And I just to reiterate, I'm super stoked and pumped up about this challenge that we're going to be doing starting May 3rd because it really is like the key to success to yep. being able to pastor a growing church while simultaneously being at home with your family. Like th- the one and only way out of that tension, if you're a lead pastor and you're constantly like trying to balance like how do I be present for the church and be responsible for what God has entrusted to me, but then also be responsible for what God has entrusted to me, right? Leading right. my family really well. <laughs> And not letting those precious moments that you'll never get back, especially if you have a young family. Uh, Like, how do you have all of that at the same time? The key, the answer is by developing a highly productive pastoral staff. Like, that is the the key. That is the way out of that Mm -hmm. situation. And so, uh, Brandon and I have put together this amazing five-day challenge for you to jump in. So, I'm just, I'm super stoked about it. I know Brandon already (laughs) talked about it, but if you're interested... Uh, ministryhackers.com slash challenge. I can't wait to get started with you guys. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. So yesterday we talked about the five toxic pastoral staff members that you may have on your team. Not necessarily that you do, but you may. And the five were the slacker, the sociopath, the socialite, the hot mess, and the martyr. And you and I, Jason, we both identified ourselves as at least one of them at some point in our (laughs) ministry experience. And so it's not that it's uncommon. It's, you know, ideally most pastoral staff members will eventually mature and grow out of that. Um, But we talked about how to identify them and why they're detrimental. Now, the reality is, is if you have one of these on your staff, then you're probably looking at how do I transition them off of my staff? And like we say, like to say in church sometimes, how do I invite them to go succeed elsewhere? And that's (laughs) kind of what we're going to tackle today. Yeah, this, uh, you know, we talked yesterday about this at length, but, you know, you, you want to do everything you can not to get to this point, right? I mean, you, you want to try to train, right. coach, develop, uh, correct you, the heart-to-hearts, the one-on-one talks, the, like you just want to empower them with everything that you possibly can to right. not to get to this point. And yet, mm-hmm. there are times where after all of that, as a final last resort, like you are put in a position where there really is no way forward with success, mm-hmm. both for your church and for the rest of your staff, except for this person, as we say, kind of uh, letting them off the bus, right? These are all right. like nice, uh, what's the word? Um, euphemisms, right? Like really yeah. nice ways of saying, uh, letting someone go, right? Inviting yeah. them to succeed right. elsewhere. And when it gets to that point, we want to make sure that you as a pastor are equipped on how mm-hmm. to do that really, really graciously and do it in a way that's honoring to them and honoring to the Lord and that covers them with grace. And so, um, Brandon, I'm going to open it up to you. Let's start off with number one. The number one thing, the first thing, uh, is to be open and honest with them about the growth point. Can you unpack that for us and and walk us through that? Yeah. So, I mean, if you've reached the point, and again, let's be clear, we're not just talking if they're toxic, because, you know, sometimes you have to let uh, pastoral staff members go, and they're not toxic. You love them. They're great members of the team. But for whatever reason, you reach a point where it's time for them to go. And so, um, you know, if that's the case, so if there's, you know, something they need to grow on or develop or, you know, change or whatever it is, this is a point of growth. And if you, you know, sometimes in church, what we try to do, like you said, we kind of skirt around 
the reality or we make it feel or look better than it really is. And if we do that and we're not open and we're not honest about why we're at this point, and, and when I say that, when if we're not open and honest with that person, mm-hmm. then what we do is, is we rob them of a growth opportunity. We, mm-hmm. We're basically saying, hey, I'm so uncomfortable with this situation having to let you go that I'm not going to be open and honest with you so that you will grow beyond this. Right. And so, you know, we want to be clear. We don't want to be brutal. You know, we don't want to like, you know, we don't want to like stab them with a knife and, you know, grind it around and make them feel terrible on their way out. But we do want to make sure. And I think as a lead pastor, your job, one of your jobs, one of your responsibilities is to grow your pastoral staff. And even as you transition them out, you're still doing that. And honestly, if you do that well, you could be a mentor or a voice of reason or, you know, something for them long into their further ministry, mm-hmm. just because you have this, this difficult moment, it doesn't have to derail that. And again, not rob them of that opportunity to grow. So, right, so being because, open and honest gives them that. Because yeah, a lot of times it's like, if you, I'm just so glad that that's like step one is just be honest. Cause I, honestly, <laughs> it's a hurdle <laughs> to like, look someone dead in the eye and like, tell them their flaws, right. To tell them their mm-hmm. faults, like Especially when you know the the resolution to this problem is that they need to leave. It can feel like you're rejecting them. You know, yeah. as as pastors, like, you know, you, you have a heart for people, right? You don't want people to feel rejected. Like on Sunday mornings, probably right. preaching, like, you know, you, this is a place for you, a home for you if, if the world has rejected you. So it's in like the DNA of a pastor to not mm-hmm. to want to make anyone feel like rejected or cast aside. And yet... You know, I think what we're saying here is is you will do that person a far greater disservice in the yeah. long run if you are not just clear and honest about why it is that they have to leave. That if right. it's padded down and sugar coated and you're kind of beating around the bush and then you give them a pat on the back, like they may not have gotten the message. And unfortunately, they they don't know like what it is that they did, right? Like because yep. you were not clear with them, and they may just go to another church and they just, just do more yeah. of the same. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. Step one is be honest, be open, and and use it as a really good growth period. So right. uh, exactly. we have number two here, after you're open and honest about the <laughs> real reason why they need to go. Right. Um, number two is be firm and clear, but right. empathetic. Can you walk right. us through that? Yeah. So sometimes, because again, this is an awkward situation and you know, some of us, you know, quite honestly, many of us in whatever training we went through, whether, you know, you know, in Bible college, I don't know, like for me, I didn't learn how to let someone go, (laughs) you know, in my Bible college training. And so, you know, it's an awkward situation and we don't always know the best way to handle it. And what will happen is, is, you know, we'll call them into the office and we'll say, you know, you know, Hey Bob, like, you know, let's just talk and we'll kind of meander around the, the topic. And, and then, and then what inevitably will, will happen is, Cause we don't want to say you're fired mm-hmm. and you know, and you know, we have all kinds of different phrases we use that kind of like give that impression. But I've heard stories of, you know, that situation happening, the conversation had the, the staff member leave the room and not know that they were just fired because <laughs> it wasn't clear. Yeah. <laughs> you have this long like process conversation and then right. like all the emotions come out and, and even as a lead pastor, you kind of like, you know, you're like, uh, you know, maybe I don't want to do this. And so then you back out. Mm, and yeah. so if, if on the front end of that meeting, if you, know, you invite them into your office, they come in, they sit down and you just up front, just say, you know, Hey Bob, 
you know, we love you on this team and, you know, we are so thankful the time that you've been with us. But at this point, Mm -hmm. I think it's time for you to move on to another ministry or another church, Mm -hmm. something like that. It's very clear on what you're doing. It's very clear on what is happening in the moment and then move on to being empathetic. And here's the reason why, because sometimes in our awkwardness and how we deal with the situation, some of us go to the other extreme of we're just way too blunt. Like we Mm -hmm. just hit them over the head and we kick them out of our office. Yeah. And like, they feel like they just went through a whirlwind 30 second conversation. And then the realization of, I think I just got fired with no real explanation as to why, like, mm-hmm. so you want to be firm and clear, but you also want to be empathetic as you do that. Yeah. I th- I feel like these first two about like being open and being honest, but then also being firm and being clear, it really sets up the, the rest for success. Right, I've had to let somebody go before, and uh, man, this—that's these two things: be open and honest, and be firm and clear—are the hardest parts, right? Like right. the the you know we we're saving number five for the last because that one is pretty tough too, especially if there's a complicated situation around why the right. person's being let exactly. go. But man, just like sitting down at a table, you know what's coming, but they don't know what's coming, <laughs> and you have to look them in the eye and with a smile on your face. Try to communicate two messages to them, which is, I love you, and I'm for you, and I'm praying yeah. for you and your family and your success, and at the same time, you have to get out of here. You're you're not needed and or wanted or, you know, you can't be here anymore, and that right. can be one of the most awkward things, and so I've done it. It's really, really hard. It, like, broke my heart to, to <laughs> let this person go, yeah. um, but it's needed, and, and you cut, you have to, like you said, man, just unequivocally like without mm-hmm. any confusion, this is what's happening. And it, like, yeah, I can't <laughs> to walk out of the office and not realize they got fired. Right, yeah. They're like, all right, yeah. I'll see you on Sunday. You know, like, yeah, exactly. And then, and then you're facing another awkward position of like, Hey man, why are you still here? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that kind of segues into, uh, step number three of the five things, which is once you've had that clear, open, honest, and firm conversation, you know, right. one of the next hardest parts of navigating having to let someone go graciously is what do you tell the rest of the staff, right? Because right? everyone's going to want to know why that person's not here anymore. They may want all the juicy details, uh, yep. you know. So how do you, as the lead pastor, once you've had that conversation, obviously you, you want to talk to them first before you talk to the rest of the staff. Right. <laughs> but once you pivot and now it's time to communicate a clear message to the staff about that person and why they're no longer mm-hmm. there, what would you? What would advice would you give as as step number three for lead pastors on how to best navigate that graciously? Yeah, so I think the main thing here is remember, like you and the remaining pastoral staff team are moving forward, and you're moving forward into a reality that God has called you to, and a reality that that person is no longer a part of. And I think to begin with, you have to keep your mind forward on we're together moving forward, and so in that. You want to make sure that you cover the staff member that's leaving. You want to cover them in grace Mm -hmm. and you want to champion them in their future ministry. Hmm. And what I mean by that is too often, especially when there's hard feelings and when, you know, it's a difficult situation, you know, it's easy for us to say, you know, well, good riddance and don't let the door hit you on the way out, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But the reality is, is that all of us who are, make the decision to be full-time pastoral staff members. We're all in this together. And and just because I'm not on staff at this church any longer doesn't mean that my ministry is over. There is a future ministry. 
And so if we can, if we can cover them with grace, even when there's, you know, things have happened or there's, you know, difficulty in the reason that why we're here, if we cover that with grace and then as a pastoral staff, we champion, because even going back to a couple episodes ago, we talked about creating a family atmosphere on your pastoral staff, right? Like letting someone go is hard. It's hurtful. It's painful. Everybody feels it on that staff. Yeah. And so all the more reason to cover them with hugs and love and grace and mercy and champion them forward because you never know, like, we always feel like, especially as lead pastors, we feel like I am making the decision to let this person go. And so I feel guilty and bad about it. Right. But the reality is, is if God is moving them on, they, he may be moving them on to something greater. I, so I had a friend of mine, he was on staff from the beginning of his ministry for, I don't man, six or seven years and was doing great, was awesome, whatever. And, and the pastor came to him and said, it's time for you to transition. Hmm. Well, it didn't make sense at the time. And he, you know, on, on a lot of levels was hurt by that. But in the end, it pushed him out from being a staff member to being a lead pastor. Hmm. And once he stepped into that role, it made sense because he realized he had been holding back because of fear and apprehension and all these other things from being a lead pastor. And I think the lead pastor that let him go saw that and pushed him out on purpose. And so we just never know how the cards are going to play out over time. Right. And so we don't want to like create and take a, 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 a difficult situation and make it worse. We want to cover them with grace, champion their ministry forward because you never know how it's going to play back down the road. Yeah. And a lot of times, as you said, it could just be like a role fit, right? Yep. It could, mm -hmm. I mean, it is, it could be toxic personality. It could be lack of productivity. It could just be simply like, you're not the best person suited for this particular role yes. for what mm -hmm. the church needs to move forward. I, I love what you said that, you know, it's, it's about moving forward and not at the expense of people that you trample over people as you're trying to accomplish a vision, but that, mm -hmm. you know, it, th this is not the role for you. And so, yep. You know, by the way, so the challenge that we're running coming up on May 3rd, it, we're specifically using the Strengths Finders assessment on right. how to build a more productive, uh, highly productive pastoral staff, which mm -hmm. the Strengths Finders, for those of you who don't know, it's just basically it locks in on people's strengths so yep. that you as the lead pastor know exactly how to motivate that person according to their strengths within their right. role. Sometimes that comes with needing to change their role or tweak their role a little bit to more suit their strengths. So sometimes yeah. it, it really just is a, a fit type of thing. Yeah. So by the way, if you want to join the challenge, <laughs> ministryhackers.com slash challenge. But yeah, I love the way that you put it, man, that um, it, it, you're helping them succeed moving forward. Again, there can mm -hmm. be a myriad of, of situations right. of, and that can make things very complicated. So I know there's some listeners out there who maybe have been in this exact situation and said, yeah, but Brandon, you don't understand. Like, the <laughs> man, it was really bad. And this person yeah. was just like terrible and awful and caused all kinds of division. And yep. I think that the greater point here is that uh, that we're making is that it's your job as a lead pastor to cover them mm -hmm. in grace, right? Kind of almost just taking it back to what Jesus says, like do unto yeah. others as you would have them do unto you. Like if you were the one who totally blew it, like, and you, and you knew it, like, would you want other people to cover you in grace right. as you went, uh, which transition? Well, I, yeah. Well, and as a lead pastor though, we should rise above that. Like mm -hmm. as, as, as spiritual leaders and as, as lead pastors, like we can't get caught up in that. Like we, we should be better and rise above all of that because again, we're dealing with people, like mm -hmm. we're dealing with people 
And we don't want to destroy people for the sake of ministry. And right. so championing them forward is just, it's the, it's the, it's the better option in the midst of options that we have. Absolutely. Okay. So number one, be open and honest. Number two, be firm and clear. Number mm-hmm. three, cover them in grace and champion their future ministry when you're communicating their exit to the rest of the staff. And then mm-hmm. take us through number four, which is offer to help them find a new position. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all again, all of us are pastors. Like we understand how hard it is to find a ministry position. And so, you know, when your lead pastor says, hey, it's time for you to exit this staff. And I'm once you're off, like I'm kind of done with you. Like that kind of adds insult to injury. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're the lead pastor, especially if you're one that has connections with other pastors around the country, or you're aware of other positions, certainly help them find another one. And and I get the difficulty is because you're in a position where you're letting someone go, maybe because of, you know, their bad performance or their negative, whatever. And so, you know, it, it may be hard for you to like fit them into somewhere else because you almost feel responsible for them, um, which kind of plays back into like, develop your staff, like really invest in them, help them be better so that when they move on, whether it's by choice or you're moving them on, they're better than when you receive them. Um, but help them like weed through the mass chaos of trying to find another position, especially again, if you're connected, help them land something because just because you're letting them go, you know, I always think of Michael Jordan, you know, he got released from his, you know, junior right. uh, high basketball team but then he goes on to be the greatest basketball player ever. Like just because you have a staff member now that's underperforming or isn't fitting with you, like doesn't mean that they're done with ministry. And, you know, there's such a shortage of good pastors out there to fill all the churches and to reach the communities that are out there. Like we don't need to shoot one of our own on the way out. We need to champion them up and help them find a new place to be, whether it's, you know, another youth ministry or a lead pastor position, like, Help them move on and set them up well. So I can I can already hear some of the the uh, the voices in my head, right? The listeners saying, "Okay, yeah, but like that sounds <laughs> great, Brandon. But what mm-hmm. if you're letting the person go because like they're just really awful, and and I don't want to help them find a new position because I don't think yeah. that they should work at any church <laughs> under any. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't wish that problem on anyone. Like I'm I'm just right. thinking, God, we got out from underneath that problem. So right. what would you say, how would you apply step number four in offering to help them find a new position if there's a pastor out there who's saying, yeah, but you don't know this person. Like right. this is, I don't, I don't think that they should work at a church. Like what would you, right. what advice would you give? Well, I would first refer back to one, be honest and open so that they can grow beyond whatever issues they're having. Mm-hmm. I would say number two, you don't have the clairvoyance to know that there isn't a pastor out there who can't help them. And so like, I get those emotions for me, like I'm letting you go and let's say it is, let's say it's a terrible, like you're underperforming, you're not reliable, like all these things and I'm letting you go and I don't want that on somebody else, but maybe there's a pastor out there who loves training up young pastors or who loves, you know, taking care of his pastoral staff and he's willing to take on that challenge. I think where that really, where the rub there comes is when you get that reference call you know, if, if they put you as a reference, Mm -hmm. but when you get that reference call, be open and honest with that pastor of what they're getting. And if you see even a glimmer of potential that they could work that through really kind of play that up. Because again, you don't have complete objectivity because you're in the middle of it and you have a lot of emotions tied to it. And so you can't, you can't make that judgment call for somebody's future ministry. That's just, 
I'm you're you're stepping in a little bit of a iffy area, you know, by making that call. And I feel like, man, you just hit it on the head. Like ultimately this kind of a lot of these steps, particularly number three and how you communicate to the staff and number four, helping them find a new position really comes back to like you doing your own self-reflection on your own heart towards this yeah. person. Right. Right. Because, you know, what does the Bible say that um, one uh, I'm going to paraphrase, but <laughs> I don't have the verse right there at the top of my head. But that, you know, one side of the story seems right until the other gets to speak. Right. Yeah. It's not to say that you're completely wrong in how you perceive the situation with this person. Right but that you see it from one side and you maybe have been hurt by this person or offended by them or you're frustrated. You've given them everything for like the last three years and they haven't changed. And so, right. yeah, to your point, it's like it really causes you to do some some reflection of just like all these negative emotions that I feel towards this person. Like, is that right to like mm-hmm. to carry that over to wish that they don't? get another yeah. job somewhere that they wish yeah. that they don't get restored to wish that like, I just, ugh, I just never want to see that person again. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so it, it really is like a humbling thing to have to humble it yourself and, and say, okay, maybe I don't see this like, mm-hmm. you know, from 30,000 feet like God would. And I certainly right. can't see this person's future. I, I certainly don't know this person like God knows them or how God might use them in a different context elsewhere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I right. think, yeah, steps number three and number four really come back to kind of your own heart. Uh, in fact, I mean, you could argue that all these steps really come down to to you, right? With steps one and two yeah. about mm-hmm. how you address them is like getting out of your own way of the awkwardness and, and yep. serving them best by being honest and being clear, right? Steps three and mm-hmm. four is how do you communicate that to other people, them leaving to your staff or a, like you said, a reference, right? Like really... <laughs> championing them and and having the heart that you want to help them, especially if they have a family. Um, And then finally, number five, this is the one that, uh, that we plugged at the beginning of the episode of this. This can actually be, this can maybe hurt the most uh, out of all of it (laughs) It because (laughs) it has to do with money. (laughs) So walk us through, yeah. Walk us through number five, Brandon. Uh, Number step number five is give them, Three to six months severance. Okay, yes. for all the pastors out there that just hear that right now and go, "What? You want me to give them what?" <laughs> so get like, despite nah. the situation that's gone on, give them three to six months severance as they are on their way out. Can you take us through right. that? Yeah. So there's there's really two roads you can choose. So you you can choose the road of like I'm letting this person go because of a myriad of reasons. They haven't they haven't performed or whatever. I'm letting them go and whatever happens after that is on them. Like they've got to figure out their way. Or you can take the, the road of I am broken over the fact that they're leaving. Hmm. I, I hate that I'm in this situation that I have to let them go. I just know that I have to. <clears throat> and so I'm going to, again, champion their future and take care of them for at least three months. Six months is better. You know, you get to nine months and 12 months, like – you're almost the hero for letting them go. And, and the reason why I the reason why I encourage such a long severance is because again, all of us know it's not easy to, you know, to get a new ministry position. I think for you know, most ministry positions, so even kids and youth ministry and worship pastors, like most of the time you're looking at at least anywhere between three and six months of a process that doesn't count actually finding a position and then applying to it. Like, you know, just the interview process can take two or three months. And so, and then when you get into a lead position, it gets longer. And so like when you let someone go, 
you're not necessarily responsible for them as and their family, but man, it's just the better way to go. And I get it. Like you may be taking a hit on your budget, but here's the reality. You planned on paying them anyway. And so you're looking at three to six months on your side of going without paying that salary. So you might as well give that to them. And then if you have to double up for a couple months at the back end of that, you hire somebody, but you've already paid them that, you know, that budget, then find it, find it somewhere in the budget, cut back on something like it's again, it's just better to take care of people on their way out than to just be like, all right, see you. And we're going to take care of our own. Like, it's just, I, I think when you have a kingdom mindset, it's just the better route to go as opposed to my little kingdom over here. And we're going to take care of our stuff and we're going to use our money for our ministries and our communities. Like the brotherhood and the sisterhood of pastors across the country, we just have to do a better job of encouraging each other and taking care of each other. And this is one way we do that. Yeah. I, I come back to, you know, how many times do we say in church and in ministry, we use the word stewardship. Mm-hmm. Stewardship. We need to steward the finances that God has given our church, right? We right. need to steward the people. We need to steward the facilities. We need to steward the, all of the things that God has given us, which, you know, steward is just a fancy way of saying, make God happy, right? right. Like, <laughs> just make God happy with what we choose to do as we manage these things, right? And so, right. in my mind, I, j- I just keep coming back to like, would the Lord be really unhappy mm-hmm. if out of love and grace and mercy and compassion, you gave somebody three to six months of living expenses or severance, right? Like, is, would, would God look down from heaven and say, that's bad stewardship of my money, therefore I'm not going to exactly. you know, bless you moving forward? No, of course God is always going to be in favor of mercy and grace. Even though somebody in your congregation may argue that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And then tell them to take it up with the Lord, you know? Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> but like, there's just, you know, I, I hate to put it this way, but money comes and goes. Like God, yep. he owns the whole world. He can give you any type of budget he wants to at any time. And yep. so I think, I actually think it's a good stewardship, a good use of money mm-hmm. to be gracious, to be merciful to somebody, even if they're wrong. Right. Yeah. I mean, Jesus yep. didn't die for yeah. us because we're righteous. Right. Like he died yeah. for us <laughs> even when we were wrong and dead in our yeah. sins. Right. So even if the person is just really, really wrong, uh, like you said, to give them that three to six months of severance to bless them, help them transition, understanding it's going to be a while. Uh, right. What if they find a new position in a new state? They have to move like there's tons of expenses, yeah. especially if they have a family and young kids. And so mm-hmm. it's I think it's the gracious and godly thing to, like you said, like maybe even have to stretch your church budget just a little bit to make sure that that person is set up for success, even if they did you wrong in the process. That is the best form of stewardship, I think, Mm -hmm. of the finances God has given you. So any final thoughts, Brandon, uh, as as we wrap up this episode? Yeah, again, I think like you said, you know, in all of these, it really comes down to you. As the lead pastor, it comes down to you. It comes down to the heart that you have dealing with people. It comes down to your own self-reflection and how you see your leadership. If you, you know, if you're going to take the 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 stance that I'm, you know, I'm called by God to empower my pastoral staff and to love them and to guide them as long as He gives me that opportunity, then my my thing is is they're yours and until they're someone else's, and so you know, you, you, you take care of them on the way out because it's, it's already a hard enough situation for them and for you. And so as the lead, as, you know, presumably the more uh, seasoned individual in the room, you choose to take the brunt of that awkwardness and pain and difficulty on you 
don't pass it off to them. They're already having to face new job, new location, uprooting their family, all of that. Whatever you can take on you, take on you because they're already facing an uphill battle. And, and so, the shame, you know, like the person's going to feel, yeah. what do they, how did they tell their wife they got fired? Right. It's exactly. different if it's like, you know, the church is closing its doors because we, you know, whatever. <laughs> and therefore I'm out of a job. But like yep. when everybody else is still going to work next week and I'm not because yeah. I got let go, like that's, it can, it can feel shameful and embarrassing. Yeah. And what do you tell your parents? And what do you, you know, like, or the people, you know, from church, they know you yeah. from church and now you're not employed there anymore. Like if you, yep. if you show up on Sunday just for service, like, what do you say to people? Like it, it can right. be like a real stain of shame. And so like, yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Like as the pastor, you bear the brunt of, you know, being responsible for how everything unfolds uh, throughout the process. And just like, we just keep coming back to the word grace to graciously mm -hmm. move forward, to be honest, to be open, to be firm, to be clear. But then in how we communicate to the other staff, to how we communicate to their future employers and, and what it is that we do for them, even financially, just grace upon grace upon grace, even right. if they're wrong. So as we wrap up, do you want to tell us one more time about the challenge we have coming up on May 3rd? Yeah, again, May 3rd, uh, skyrocket your pastoral staff's productivity challenge. Um, it's free. So really, there's no good reason not to be a part of it. If you're a lead pastor and you want to pastor a growing church and you want time with your family, it's a free five-day challenge. It kicks off May 3rd, ministryhackers.com slash challenge. It's going to be great. We're going to have lots of fun doing it. It's going to change the way you approach your staff. It's going to change the way your staff functions together. And again, at the, at the end of the day, it's going to change how you interact with your family and interact with your staff and have a growing church. So there's really no lose here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Ministryhackers.com slash challenge. Tell us what's mm -hmm. on the agenda for tomorrow right before we uh, wrap up here, Brandon. So tomorrow, um, we are going to talk about, uh, you know what, actually, can you remember? <laughs> <laughs> well, just tune in. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, tune in tomorrow. It's so amazing. We can't it's even so tell you what amazing. it is. It we can't even mind. tell you what it is. You just is. have to show up. <laughs> That's awesome. So join man. us tomorrow, 1 p.m. Uh, Central. Come join us live and find out with us what we're talking about <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I love it. Have All an right. awesome rest of the day, guys. We'll see you we'll guys. See you in the next episode. Adios.